0: To this week's episode of future of xyz i couldn't be happier to introduce our guest nathan havey to future xyz nathan thanks for joining us
1: it's my pleasure to be here lisa thank you
0: and today we're going to be talking about something uh, that you're really invested in um which is the concept of the future of beyond zero Um, You obviously are the co-founder of the Institute for Corporate Transformation, um, which I want to talk about in terms of what you are doing. You also uh, wrote and directed a film, a documentary about um, Ray C. Anderson, the founder of Interface, um, a carpet tiling company that was one of the first true, um, I would say, pioneers in sustainable or what we want to call conscious capitalism. And we want to get into that. The movie is called Beyond Zero and was released in 2020 and it won all sorts of acclaim. Um, you're, you have a master's in public policy from George Washington University. Uh, you run a podcast about stakeholder capitalism. So I really feel like I want to get into the meat of what is beyond zero from your perspective.
1: Great. Yeah. And so Lisa, I think that the thing that we want to do is is kind of set beyond zero apart from net zero. So, you know, with, uh, with, with Paris and with a lot of the COP26 conversation, um, companies are really striving to reduce their greenhouse gas footprint to a place where they are net zero. And so, to get net zero, a lot of folks are buying carbon credits. Um, you know, they're, they're, they might be doing some things to actually reduce what they're emitting, uh, but but there's a usually a mix there, uh, so it's not actually zero; it's just yeah. net zero. We'll we'll emit here. We'll you know pay to not cut down a forest over there, yeah. and we'll call it net zero. And and that is progress, right? That's that's Absolutely. great. It's we need to do that. And um, the thing that I learned in the interface story that that inspired me to make a movie about it is that is it interface actually took it further than that and they changed the conversation from how do we do less bad to how do we actually become something that is good for the environment how do we actually pull carbon out of the atmosphere and sequester it in our production processes instead of just trying to emit less, do less. And, there's a there's a state shift I think when companies start playing a game to look at what their opportunities are to go beyond zero to not just be net zero yep. but actually what 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 happens when you go beyond that so that your processes are actually in line with the life supporting systems of the planet Earth and and the uh, interface is an incredible example of what that can actually look like.
0: Well, it's so interesting because when we first connected, I, of course, shared that the, the interface example was one of my first awakenings to conscious capitalism in the 2006 book, um, From Green to Gold, that was written by Yale professor Daniel Esty. Um, And it was one of these examples where, you know, my jaw kind of hit the floor. I remember I was at business school. I was in Singapore, which to me was just like this, you know, uh, unbelievable waste factory. And, And, you know, based on the consumption and the way the energy was consumed. And I was seeking something, you know, I'd gone to business school to talk about sustainability. And I was blown away being in Southeast Asia by the waste. And then I'm reading this book and it was, it was saying, okay, carpet tiles, which was Interface's business or is Interface's business, right? Historically have been especially industrial grade are petroleum-based product. And Ray C. Anderson, the founder of Interface, you know, multi-generational entrepreneur had this realization himself like, ooh, like, is that what I wanna be doing? Is that my legacy in fact? And went on this huge journey, which I think Beyond Zero just covers so brilliantly of shifting his entire corporation which is publicly listed over, right, to a a stakeholder capitalist model that had employees on board, had suppliers on board, of course had clients on board and has continued to outpace growth of any of their competitors over the course of the last 40 years.
1: That's right, and and the the interesting thing that Ray saw, you know, he was an engineer um, by training, and and uh, his engineer's mind really just quickly accepted uh, the case that that Paul Hawken lays out in the book, um, the the Ecology of Commerce, uh, where he really shows that that the major life support systems on Earth are all in decline, and the the biggest culprit of that is industry. And Ray Anderson said, my God, it's it's me. I'm doing this. And so, you know, you, you sort of face this trade-off choice of, okay, well, then do you just shut down all of industry and go back to a pre-industrial quality of life on Earth? Um, or do you just ignore the warning signs and let the good times roll and, you know, leave it for future generations to clean up? This and is Ray what said, we've been doing. It is what we've been doing, but not Ray. Ray said, this is ours to handle, and there is a way to cause what he called the second industrial revolution, to figure out how industrial processes can actually be retooled to be in line with natural processes, so that you don't have to make the trade-off. You resolve it. You can still have progress. You can still have modernity. You just do it in ways that are beyond zero, where they're actually restorative and regenerative for the environment, and so interface probably more than any other company on earth has been able to, really get there are they perfect no in fact they won't even say that they are fully sustainable because they're not right but they are so far along it's, it's really incredible and you know at the end of the film they announced that they actually are releasing these carpet tiles that sequester more carbon than is created in their in their manufacturer um and those those were indeed made available all around the world in 2020 and so it's it's a major uh breakthrough that hopefully the rest of the industry can follow
0: which is, I mean, I think you've touched on so many interesting points. And in there I could pull on lots of threads here, Nathan. But I one of the things I want to just ground listeners in, we talked about what net zero is. And of course, in November last year, governments and businesses to some degree, but mostly governments, got together and, and for what is, you know, the climate action change, you know, Climate, climate Change Conference is the 26th year, Ergo COP26, that these guys have gotten together and this time it's really okay the paris agreement like do where are we going with it what are kind of un commitments and it's basically a race to net zero by 2050 which of course is a long way off and a short time off it's like we know that we need to take action long before that and we need a, a, a ramp up to get to 2050 and it's going to require all stakeholders from governments you know to businesses to each of us individually to do this but you talked about something in the in the interface release of new product, but also in general, one of these ways of getting there, of course, is carbon sequestration, right? That's right. Some of the others, I think, you know, obviously less waste in general, more regenerative, you know, forms of. Uh, electricity so moving to solar wind etc you know hydro instead of away from you know coal as you know I mean we look at what Germany's just announced they're going to try to figure out how to move away from coal um and and so away from fossil fuels you have to use biofuels hydrogen like there are all sorts of amazing tools out there but where your business the Institute for Corporate Transformation really focuses isn't on the the how, the, the, the what of the action, right? It's much more on the how and the why. Let's talk about the, the psychology and especially in corporate culture of moving to a future of beyond zero.
1: Sure. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting, Lisa, because uh, when, as we were finishing the film, I had a chance to ask Aaron Mizan, who's the chief sustainability officer at Interface why aren't there more interfaces? What's 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 holding it back? And she said, it's it's not because of technology, because the technology exists for us to do this. It's not because of um, sort of the, 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 the other sorts of technical know-how of measurements and metrics and the policy regime. All of that is there. She said that the reason that more companies aren't doing this is actually because people don't understand how you actually shift A company, how you transform a corporation. And so, you know, with with the institute, we've sort of defined these these four spaces um, that are required for a a wholesale corporate transformation. One of them, and first and foremost, is the 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 CEO, the executive leadership of the company, they, they need to sort of expand the scorecard for success that they are playing against for business because you know for 50 years we've been playing on the Milton Friedman scorecard that is about growing profit and shareholder return that is the scorecard of business and and you you do have to have profit you know a company that doesn't make profit is not going to be around very long but but there's 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 a lot of interesting research that the Mars Corporation for example has done this thing it's called the economics of mutuality where they've actually identified that when a company is able to measure and manage not just financial capital, but environmental capital, which is all of the things that that are the life-sustaining systems on earth, social capital, which is the the quality of networks and and, human relationships, and human capital, which is wellness and well-being. When you're managing for environmental, social, and environmental capital, you actually produce superior financial capital returns because you're not eroding the other kinds of capital because you're so myopically focused on that. And you know, when, when you hear people critique capitalism, it's usually because they see people prioritizing money over those other forms of capital. Which, well, which
0: we could call externalities in the business world, or you could look at it positively, which is where I wrote some of my college thesis, which is about mutualism, right? Yes. It's mutual respect, mutual give back, and 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 working together. Yes. It really forms the basis of stakeholder capitalism because it includes all stakeholders, people, planet, as well as profit, obviously. That's
1: exactly right. And, and what, what we're seeing is that it's almost like an upgraded operating system for capitalism, right? There's, there's this one that produces these certain results, but if you're still running, you know, Windows 96 on your computer, it's inefficient, it's clunky, it does not work nearly as well as when you can actually update to the, the latest operating system. And so it's not a trend. It's just sort of a re-examination of the fundamental benefits of a, of a free market system, looking at what the actual goals of that system are which is to meet the needs of humanity right uh, within the environmental cons- confines of the of the world because the we, can't, right, we can't meet the needs of humanity in the future if we exhaust all that stuff now so it's just a more holistic view and so if, if the if, if executives start to understand that their scorecard for success is actually measured on all four of those kinds of capital, not just on one, that it it begets very different investments and innovations in ways that you do things. So if an executive makes that shift.
0: Exactly. Right. As we're in a race of talent right now in the great resignation, I have to believe, you know, you're making a new film and a lot of it has to do with how do you incentivize, you know, good employee engagement and loyalty and, and it's a fact it's it, it seems so obvious sometimes from the outside but it's again to that change management conversation yes. shifting an entire corporate you know incentive structure pay structure give back I mean and then the attitudes is massive right so oh, I love that talk, I mean yeah. I experienced a little bit of it at Chobani as you know coming in right after the the you know shares were given to all employees including hourly workers on the plant I think the movie that you're making now which I'd love you to talk about a little bit. Because it's definitely, again, a new lens on beyond zero.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and if I may, it's it's just all the things that you're saying, that's why it's so hard. Because every in, in most corporations, almost everybody has either been formally trained in the Milton Friedman paradigm of business, or they've osmosed it because they've been around other people where that's just the way they think, right? I like osmosed so, it.
0: It's good.
1: Yeah. Shifting that is something that that it's not easy. And it's not a, okay, we're going to do this now. No, no, no. There's a lot of real interesting sort of um, uh, discussions and education, and people really have to get there in their heart, as much as in their mind, to really make the shift. And so, the executive, the executive team, and the board, key investors—they've all got to be on board for this. And then you've got to show employees exactly what they can do in their roles to help to materially shift the the you know what's happening in the business. So it can't be a top-down thing, which is where most of these efforts fail. Um, it, it really has to be. Um, there's a, there's a scholar named Leith Sharp that teaches an incredible executive education program at Harvard on this, and she calls it the hierarchical network and the adaptive network, which is the relationships in and between the hierarchy, if you can engage both of those things effectively, then that's really what it is. And so we've been able to work with Leith to license some of this content and and get it out there with with our programs at the Institute, but those things together, plus you've really got to look at the accounting systems in companies are set up for- The accounting systems, oh, yes. accounting and finance. Oh, yes. They're set Absolutely. up for financial capital. So yes. what does it look like for accountants to begin to account for the other kinds of capital? And that's what the uh, the folks at the Economics Mutuality have done so well. Yep. They've even got, you know, like a PL for yep. all of those different kinds of capital. And that's the future. That's where we've got to well, get to. And this to. is
0: really where ESG kind of, I think, is is heading, right? I mean, they're yes. all these we used to talk about CSR, right? I mean, first of all, you talked about sustainability. You know, back in back in you know two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when I was out there looking, it was you know sustainability. You don't have any experience in it. And I'm like, we don't have a shared definition of it. What do you mean I don't have experience in it? You know, and I feel like we still don't. We just keep bouncing around to these terminologies, you know, that are like hip and happening for companies and investors to latch onto to say we're not we're not harming. You know, we we do sustainability you know, and then it's like, oh, we do CSR, corporate social responsibility. Now it's like, well, we have ESG measures in place, environmental social governance, right? And it's like, at the end of the day, you actually need a p that properly, ref- and a balance sheet, frankly, that properly reflects your impact, not only on profit, That's right? right? I mean, at the end of the day, that is how this is going to shift. So I want to talk about that, because I think you said it very interesting at the beginning, which is, Racy Anderson, going back to the Beyond Zero movie and documentary about Interface, he realized it couldn't just be him at the top. You can't shove it down. And that's what you just said. Cultural transformation has to, all those networks that you were talking about, tools, it's a journey, it's a process. I want to understand in order to get to the future of Beyond Zero, we are going to require every government, every small business, and every massive corporation, every nonprofit, every organizing everything of humanity to kind of shift culturally mindset and then have the tools such as you know a, a pnl that reflects everything how in the world if you were just to say three things you know that people could start small with that we get to a future beyond zero cuz you know that's that's where we we need to head
1: yeah absolutely and i think that the, the thing that any individual can do um, and there, there's a, there's an initiative that um, that the, the Institute for Corporate Transformation is, is helping to catalyze and it's called 100 Months to Change. And it's a global uh, uh, network of people that are interested in this, that are sort of looking at what they can do um, and learning from their peers in other countries for, for exactly what to do. And what, one of the things that we've, we've kind of looked at is that every individual has sort of three places that they can be very effective. So one of them is obviously in your personal life, in your household, you know, the, the behavior that you have, you know, making sure that you're using your dollars and your behavior in a way that's consistent with a sustainable world. And and we don't do this naturally. Uh, this is not, you know, all the marketing messages that we get all the time encourage us to do the opposite of this. Amazon And so yeah, right, you've got to really look at what, what is it for you, right? And so, you know, there's lots of resources that are out there to look at this. But that's one place that all of us can be very effective. The other place is that most of us work in some kind of an organization. And so to, to begin to advocate for this kind of conversation within the organization, um, even in small ways, it doesn't have to be big change. You don't have to convince the CEO, but in your job, right where you are, what is it that, that you could do? And, you know, for some people, it's a recycling program in the office, and then you just try to scale it. But but, what do you touch? What is it that's in your, sort of your grasp to be able to do? Start there, talk with other people in your company about it, and, and there's a lot of very interesting stories that start this way, and then, you know, run it out two or three years, and you scale. have actually created a massive cultural shift within the company. So all of us is able to do that, and again, that's what Leith Sharp's work is, is, is we can't. We don't have to have a formal position of power. We just have to be pretty savvy about how to network the relationships and talk with folks and understand what's important to them and how it can really be mutual. How can you both win, right? And then organizing. This ties
0: really nicely to my episode just a couple of weeks ago on the future of power with another Harvard professor who talks about that you know basically the democratization of power it's it's who who what is the resource that people need and who has access and control of that resource so.
1: yes it- and, and, and there are ways, it, it doesn't have to turn into a big fight where you have to beat the other side. That whole ethos is, is off because a lot of times if you come in working collaboratively, you'll find there are great ways to, to do this, which is which is awesome. And then the, the third and final place that we can all be effective is actually in our communities. So wherever you live in your town, you're a citizen. You you can actually have tremendous impact. And there's this one story that Leith tells of, of uh, a pair of women in Boston uh, that, that didn't have have a position of hierarchical authority in the government or in uh, a gas company or anything, Um, but they succeeded in kind of creating this situation where Boston got really aggressive about patching all of the gas leaks in its old main, which was, I think, the second or or third biggest source of greenhouse gas emissions in Boston was leaking gas. And so they went in and they, they were able to, with no position of hierarchical authority, actually get the city bought in the gas company, bought in everybody saved a bunch of money and Boston cut its greenhouse gas emissions tremendously. And that was just two individuals. And so all of us can do that. We can't do it overnight, but we absolutely can start to just educate ourselves and our neighbors about what is it that's going to make the biggest difference here and how can we go forward and try to try to make that change. And so that can happen in your household, in your, your company or organization, and in your community. And frankly, we all in this decade, are going to need to start playing those games pretty aggressively if we're going to be where we need to be in 23rd.
0: Um, I, I think it's such an, a powerful place to end, but I do want to just share one quote that was about Beyond Zero. Because Beyond Zero is not because of when you released it right before COVID and, and hit all the, the film festivals and you you won a bunch of awards, right? but it is now available for corporations to, use, to, to to lease out, if you will, and do on their own and do a learning journey with. But I think the most powerful quote I heard about it comes from an, probably one of the best possible advocates you could have, who is Paul Pullman, who uh, was until reasonably recently uh, the CEO and chief executive of Of Unilever, one of the world's largest uh, uh, packaged goods companies. And he was an advocate for conscious capitalism all the way through. And he's a member of the board of the United Nations Global Compact as well. So, someone deeply invested in this. And he said about Beyond Zero that it is a fascinating story, not only about inspirational and visionary founder Ray C. Anderson, but the struggles and determination of a company trying to become a negative, become a positive force in the world. The film delivers a message that needs to be told in the end it indeed boils down to people and business can be more successful and resilient simply by doing the right thing this idea of the right thing and the knock-on effects of that go so far and it's so fundamentally human right I mean, we are not bad at our core is my fundamental belief. We want to do good. And we have just gotten so out of touch with that basic nature. Um, I think a lot of what you have shared about the individual power to enact change and do better and get us on this journey towards beyond zero really speaks to uh, what Paul, Paul quoted about the film. So I'm gonna encourage everyone to go uh, reach out. Um, Nathan, give us a plug.
1: Sure, yeah, so um, uh, uh, beyondzerofilm.com. Um, the, the movie is not yet publicly available, uh, but we're, we're looking for impact partners. So these are uh, private individuals and companies that can help to support the film at a level of $10,000. Uh, for that, they get a uh, kind of a, a talk back and a private screening for any audience that they would want to convene to watch the film. Um, they get, uh, you know, acknowledged in the film's credits. And then what we seek to do with uh, with the revenues raised is make the film first available to all educators in business schools at every level all around the world at no cost to them, uh, build curriculum materials to help them teach this and kind of this this new paradigm of business we've been talking about, and then uh, actually have a distribution budget uh, so that we can help to get this film into the mainstream as best we can. Our goal is to be in classrooms and boardrooms in at least the world's top 20 economies and beyond. So if you are interested in that, details at beyondzerofilm.com. Uh, And if you're an educator or somebody that is interested in screening this in your classroom, uh, there's some forms to get in touch with me and our team at that website as well. Uh,
0: Nathan, it is a a powerful and very compelling um, point of view on the future of Beyond Zero. Thank you for joining us on Future of XYZ today.
1: This is my pleasure, Lisa. Thanks for having me.
0: And everyone listening and watching, if you don't already subscribe, make sure you do. Future of XYZ is available on YouTube, as well as on a podcast, on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever you get your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow us on Future of XYZ on Instagram and visit future-of.xyz if you or someone you know would like to be a guest in 2022 or beyond. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Nathan, thank you for everything you're doing to bring us closer to our future of beyond zero. Thanks for listening to the future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.